All right, guys, y'all ready? We up? Okay. Good to see everybody. Looks like looks like the majority of you remember to set your clocks. <laughs> I'm sure there's gonna be some that did. So, we said we said ours yesterday morning. I got up, changed the clock. I said, man, I'm gonna lose it this morning, so I think I'm gonna lose it tonight, man. So it is it still don't help much. Okay. We're gonna be in First Timothy chapter chapter two. You wanna turn over there? If you're watching us online, thank you so much guys for watching, for tuning in with us. Uh our prayer is that you will that this will help to that you'll learn some things and be able to apply it to your life and become it will become the people that god wants us to be that's what we're looking for uh we want to be able to build our lives on the foundation of christ and uh, and that we have that uh, uh that uh, uh that hope in us uh, so anyway i don't know of anything that really is pressing that we need to talk about so uh, uh have you heard about Sid? he went home he's at home he's at home that's all i know he's at home I don't know if so. Anyway, uh, now Don's dad is still not well. Hey, it's a it's a it's a, a fact of life when we get old. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Things yeah. things start to fall apart. You know. Have you heard about Janice Ferris? I haven't heard anything in a couple of weeks. I have. I have. You know, well, Pam's usually our Pam's usually our liaison yeah, thing that kind of keeps that keeps us on posted with that stuff. So she hasn't said anything. Come on in, guys. We'll wait just a little bit. Okay, let's uh, let's pray and we'll get started. All right. Okay, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to be here. Thank you for loving us and for providing us with a relationship with you. Father, we know it's a relationship we do not deserve, and we cannot say thank you enough. Father, we ask that you'd help us to build our, our lives and build our, our future on the foundation of Jesus and of his, uh, of his death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, Father, help us to build on that rock so that uh, so that we can stand up under life's pressures and problems father bless us this morning as we study and bless us as we worship this morning father that it will it will all be done in accordance with what will glorify and honor you we thank you for the opportunity we thank you for loving us and we thank you father for the things that are going on here that that we're reaching out into a, into the lost community we thank you for that as well father bless us as we move forward thank you for everything you do for us it's in jesus name we pray amen Come on in, guys. If you don't, if you don't mind being on camera, you can sit right up front. Now, I'd love to have you right up front. Not a problem. <laughs> I mean, it, it's pretty obvious when you see the table, you know, that, that most of them know already. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, all I can see at the back, yeah, because with the new system we got, 
you can see it a whole lot wider angle now, so you can see more people. But, uh, used to it was just about these four or five chairs, all you can see. Now you can see more of that. So. Does that make you feel good knowing you need a wide angle? <laughs> <laughs> you know. That only applies to women. You have to be here, guys, to experience what goes on here behind the scenes. I can't explain it to you. And we know, you know exactly. Right off camera, is, right off camera, there's a section camera. here that that uh, that really has uh, uh, Maldi. The Maldi section right off camera over here. Anyway, we're going to be in First Timothy chapter two, where we're going to be. Uh, you know, we uh, uh, Timothy. This is a letter. This a. a two letters that Paul wrote to this young preacher that he left at Ephesus. Ephesus is a, uh, is a very, uh, uh, we looked at this when we first started this, this letter. Uh, it's, a, it's a tough place for a young preacher to be. Uh, a lot of dynamics going on here. And a lot of the things that he's going to preach to them and he's going to teach them, that he's going to talk to Timothy about, is going to be very, uh, uh, very much applicable to that, that, uh, uh, that place. Uh, I'll try to I'll try to bring that up from time to time, you know. But uh, the the stuff here, the, the things we're looking at are absolutely still relevant today. Uh, we have to weed through sometimes what's the culture, what's the what's the dynamic of the place. Because remember, it is a letter that was written to Timothy. It wasn't written to us. It was written to him about a place where he's at in Ephesus and what's going on at Ephesus. So, uh, you know, when you uh, where we left off last week is. Uh, the verse, and I'll read it again, but God doesn't want anyone to perish. God is, is patiently waiting for creation and for his for mankind, for men to come to an understanding and a realization and, a, and an obedience and a repentance to him. That's what he's waiting for. And how long that'll be, I don't have any idea. I know there's a lot of dialogue out there today of people saying, well, he's coming back this way. I saw one the other day, he's coming back, he's coming back soon. I don't know that. You know, all I know is he's not back now. He's not back today. And so today we're going we're gonna to do the things that we need to do. If he comes tomorrow, great. If he doesn't, great. We're going to keep doing what we need to do. Uh, but what we, what we do know is, is that whatever time frame there, there's left, whatever time frame there is, we know why it's there. God is waiting for those to come to repentance. That's what he's looking for. You know, in Second, Second Peter, I believe it was 2 Peter chapter, uh, uh, chapter 3, I believe it says that he, he's, he's patient. He's not slack in, in what he's doing. He wants everyone to come to repentance. So we know what kind of God. We know that he didn't predestine some and not others. We know that God wants everyone to come to repentance. And so we're going to look at that, at this 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 dialogue right here at the, at the in the right here in chapter two, and then we'll uh, and then we'll pick it up in, in some. What this is talking about this text is talking about is really about instructions on worship, is what he's given them in chapter two. And you'll see what I'm talking about as we get later on in this text. All right. But let's, uh, we're going to start in, uh, uh, in verse 3. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man of Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. And for this purpose, I was appointed a, a herald and apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying. And a, and a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. Okay? I want to go back. We did cover it just a little bit, but I want to make sure we got this. All right. There's a couple of words here that we're going to look at. You know, one of them is ransom. Okay. Another one, the, the other word we're going to look at is uh, uh, what is it? Uh, what does it mean to reconcile? And then the other one is mediator. 
Tell me what you think the word mediator means and put it in a, in a, in a definition where we can comprehend what it's talking about. Okay, what do you think it means to be a mediator? Somebody who intervenes with people. Someone who intervenes, okay? All right, anybody else? What does it mean to be a mediator? Because it says here that there is one God and one mediator between man and God, and, and between God and mankind, and the man Christ, that's the man Christ Jesus, all right? Calls him a couple of things here. It says there's only one God and one man, all right? We know, and it's Jesus Christ. It's the, the go-between. You know, he's the, he's, he bridges the gap. That what he's talking about here is a, is a, is a bridge builder. There is a, there is a gulf between God and man that, that has happened because of sin. Okay? And there is, there is uh, no way for me to fix the problem. I can't fix it. You can't fix it. I can't do enough. I can't pay enough. I can't wish it enough. I can't pray enough to get this fixed. I have to have God to help me. God has to do the, be the one that makes this bridge from me to him. He has to do that. And he did that through Jesus Christ. It says he is the mediator. So tell me, what, is that, what does it mean to you that, that he is a mediator for you? What does that mean? Barbara? He's trying to work out, or he will work out what goes on between us and God. In other words, he will help us to be acceptable okay. to God. A pure God, a pure God cannot be anywhere next to sin. And Romans tells us that we're all guilty. Every single one of us is guilty. So God has to figure out a way to make it possible for him to have a relationship with us. And it demands payment. It always did. From the very beginning, it demanded payment. When Adam and Eve fell in the garden, it demanded payment. Something had to pay for that sin, for God to be able to deal with it. Okay? And animals had to die. Animals died. In the Old Testament, it was a it was it was the payment was blood. Always blood. Animals died to cover up and make atonement for the sin between that the people had so that they could come to God. And and in the Old Testament, there was only there was only certain people that come come to God. Only the high priest could come to God. And only once a year could he go to God. And he had to always take his own blood. Okay? I mean blood for his own sin, what I meant to say, not his own blood. He had to take blood for his own sin. So that was that was always what happened. All through the system. You know, when God set the system in motion, when he set the law in motion, when he set the, the system of sacrifice in motion, it was always pointed to what? To this event right here. Always pointed to this. This is what it was always about. He tells them in, Gen in Genesis chapter 3, he tells them very specifically, looking at the man and woman and the snake, and he said, this is what's going to happen. One day, the seed of the woman is going to come and crush the head of the seed of the serpent. That's what he said. And it's called the mother promise. It is the very beginning promise that he made to mankind. I am going to fix this problem. At some point, I will fix this problem. And he sets this in motion to bring this into being. All of this was set in motion to bring Jesus to, to, to the lost. Thank you. <laughs> it's one thing if y'all's goes off, but if mine goes off, that's not good. <laughs> so, you know, the, the point here is, is the word ransom. You understand what that word means? I'm gonna, we're going to look at a couple of texts, and I'm going to use one of these texts this morning in our, in our communion thoughts. So I'm not going to really connect that, but I'm going to have you, we're going to read it, though. I want you to read it. We're going to look at something in Matthew. We're going to look at something in Hebrews. You understand what the word ransom means? What does it mean? 
price paid to be returned? It's payment. It's what it costs. This is what it costs to make payment for what is owed. It's ransom. You know, if uh, you know, we have been we have been we've been taken captive by sin. Okay, we have been taken captive, and there is payment owed. Payment that you and I can't pay. I can't pay it. You can't pay it. I have to have someone that can pay it. So I want you to turn first. I want you to turn to the book of Hebrews, and uh, and we're going to look at Hebrews chapter nine. Hebrews chapter 9. Uh, let's start in verse 11. It says, When Christ came as a high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say, is not part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and ashes of heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our conscience from acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God? Listen to this verse. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. So what did he say? Christ is the mediator of a new covenant. He's going to bring a new existence. Jesus, Jesus talked about it, about the blood that, he's, that was shed, that we, that we take at communion, the, the, when we take that juice, we take it as, as symbolic of that blood that was shed for the new covenant, okay? He is, he is the one that gives, gives us the right to have that, that relationship with God. Now I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, and we're just going to look at verse 28. I'm going to talk about this, this text in my community thought this morning, but we're just going to look at verse 28. So you'll have a leg up. You'll already know what's coming when I get up there this morning. Uh, verse 28, it says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What is Je This is Jesus telling them, hey, I, I am, I've come not to be served, but to, um, but to serve. And he said, I've come to give my life as a ransom for many. And then this text over here said that Jesus is that mediator, and he is that one that uh, that between who gave himself as a ransom for all people. Now, who did that leave out? Who did that leave out? Nobody. Every one of us has the right to come to, the, to an understanding of this, what that ransom means for us, okay? Now, I've got one more text. I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has moved the two groups one, uh, 
had made the two groups one and has de destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law, its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, but which he put to death the hostility. He came and preached of peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near, for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. What did he say? That word reconciled. you understand what that word means? He came to reconcile us to God. It means to make friendly again. Made us friendly again. Made the relationship now on a friendly terms and not on an antagonistic animosity type, type front. Because as long as sin is the present, I cannot come to God. Period. I can't come to God as long as sin is present. Something has to be done about the sin problem. I can come to church a hundred thousand times. I can give all my money. I can do everything that I need to do. And it's never going to fix the problem. Ever. Ever. Because I, I don't have it within my ability to pay what's owed. If I buy a car, buy a house, buy whatever I'm going to do, whatever I'm going to do, you know, I have to first decide, do I have the money to pay for this? Can I, can I, can I logically, can I logically pay for this, this amount? And what you come to when this is talking about your spirituality, nothing you can do. You can't fix it. You can't pay it. There's not enough. You don't have enough to pay it. You have to have somebody else do it. And what Jesus did is Jesus came and 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 fulfilled everything in the law. He fulfills it all. That's why it says that he that he did away. He did away with the first covenant and brought in the second covenant. We're no longer under the first covenant. We're no longer under the system of rules and regulations of the old covenant. That's not where we are. Jesus, I mean, God told Jeremiah in chapter 31, he said, there's going to come a day when there'll be a new covenant. Okay? And in this covenant, I not only will forgive their sins, but I will forget their sins. That didn't happen under the first covenant. Okay? The first covenant, there was always a continual reminder of sin. Every year, every day, there was a continual reminder because they were constantly offering sacrifices all the time, over and over. The high priest went in the holy place, in the most holy place, every year, once every year, to offer sacrifice for the people and to offer sacrifice, I mean, blood for his own sin. Jesus went into the tabernacle that's not man-made. You understand what that means? What it said in Hebrews chapter 9? He went into the tabernacle that's not man-made. The tabernacle was the tent. It was the tent that they that followed them around, that they put up and took down, put up and took down, had all the partitions in it, and it was, and when they when Solomon built the temple, he built it just like what the tabernacle was. Because that's the way it looked. It looked just like the inside of the, of the what the temple was going to be. And God said, told Moses, when you build it, make sure you build it exactly like this. Because what you're going to do is build shadow of what I'm looking at. Okay? He said, you're going to build shadow. So what Jesus does is Jesus takes his own blood, not the blood of a goat or a bull or whatever. He takes his own blood and he walks in to the sanctuary of God where God lives and offers the blood for you and for me. Gives me chills to think about it. The significance of the tearing of the curtain is that the way is now open. Okay? 60 foot tall curtain and it rips from top to bottom. And open that way. That curtain shield them off from God. They couldn't go there. Nobody could go in there except one guy. And he was the high priest. Nadab and Abihu in Leviticus chapter 10 tried to do it. They tried to go in. You know, they tried to, they tried to go in and offer fire before God. And what did God do? Burn them up. Consume them with their own fire. Because they came in not, not for what, what God intended. Not the way God told them to do it. And he'd already told them what to do. And he did it anyway. And Aaron's two sons died. 
because God could not abide in sin where they, when they came in. So it's the same, works the same for us. I can't come to God unless the sin is removed. And Jesus made that possible because he offered, he offered the sacrifice for you and for me. Now, in light of this, how should your worship then, in light of what you just heard, how should your worship reflect that in your life? How should it reflect that? To understand that what you get to do when it comes to worship is not just something to fill time. Not something just to make sure that everybody sees your new dress or knows that you that you have something eloquent to say. This is different. When you understand what he just did, what he did here, when you understand what this means to you and to me, how should that, in light of that truth, how should that affect your worship? How should it affect your worship? Tell me. What do you think? Make you humble and thankful. <laughs> Make you humble and thank you. Thankful, big set. Should that should that enter into your mind as you open your eyes in the morning, as you close them at night, as you walk over here, because this is this what we're gonna do. This is worship, yes, but it's only a part of worship. Worship is what we do every day. Alright? There's a there's a lot of different words for worship. This is only one of them that what we're gonna do today. What we're doing now is worship. But how should it affect when you go into that public arena over there and you do it together as a family? How should it affect that worship? Tell me. I think you should be more focused. <laughs> Larry said you should be more focused. Yep. Focused on on what was done for you. Okay. What right. price was paid. Okay. Nancy? Should be wholehearted. Oh, wholehearted? Not, not lukewarm okay. or right. less. Yeah. Huh? I think of Romans 12, yep. verse 1 and 2. Mm -hmm. That's the only proper response. Yeah, offering your bodies a living sacrifice, being transformed, not being conformed, renewing your mind. Okay. He said He said in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, he says, offering your bodies a living sacrifice, this is your spiritual act of worship. To offer your body as a living sacrifice, not a dead sacrifice, a living sacrifice. That means every single day, that you are alive, you offer your body to God as a sacrifice. That's what it says. That's what it means. So, you know, in, in light of this, what should your attitude be? You know, we should be more humble. We should be more focused. We should be more, you know, uh, more aware of what's going on, right? That should, that, is that the response that you, that you would think should come from understanding? My job this morning when I get up there this morning is to, re, is to make sure you're focused on this. You know, we're going to talk about Matthew chapter 20. This morning, and and I want I'm, my job is to focus you so that at least during communion you're focused. This is what it means. This is what what is that? That's how I see my job up there, and I know that's how Cole sees his job when he gets up there. What he has to do is to focus you, but ultimately, who really can focus you? You. If you're already unfocused, there's not a lot I can do. There's not a lot of bit can do. There's not a lot anybody can do to focus you back again if you're already unfocused on something else. You know, to see what this said and see what it did, what he what he calls it to, what, what he calls us to, to the the you know that he has paid the price that I could not pay. He has made me friendly with God again. I could not do that on my own. 
and he's bridged the gap and made a made a way possible for me to get to him now my next question is i want you to think about a time when you found it difficult to pray or worship why did you find it difficult to pray or worship what was the problem if this should motivate us to to a healthier worship to a more focused more generated more humble worship that's what it should do then think of a time when you could guilt guilt somebody somebody else had something over here look guilt a lot of people are embarrassed embarrassed don't want, don't want people to see them do it okay i don't know why but i mean okay a lot of people are embarrassed okay tell me why that you you had a time when you found it difficult to pray or to worship surrounding you Hmm? Surroundings. A lot of times you're surrounded. surroundings. Okay. Anybody else? Circumstances that cause you to be fearful where you really aren't. Yep. Okay. All right. Not worthy. Not worthy. Not worthy. You walk in there and you look around and say, What am I doing here? Yeah. I don't belong here. Look at all these people. These look at all these people that are spit shine and polished, man. I, look at me, man. I'm nobody. Yeah, that's how I felt. I walked in that first time I went to service on a Wednesday night, and I'm looking around. And these people are singing four part, five part, ten part. I don't know what that harmony was. Not that I ever heard before. And I'm looking around, saying, "What the heck is this, man? What am I doing here?" And that don't they know who I am? But if they figure out who I am, they're gonna run me out in a minute. You know, that's how. That's how. But that's you know. And I'm looking around, going, "What am I doing here? This is ridiculous. Man, I don't belong in here." You know, so I understand that. You know, I don't belong here. Okay, what? What else? What 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 is it that made it difficult for you to worship or to pray? The devil. Hold on, you said. Oh. The devil said, De don't, don't do it. Devil knows exactly what's going on in your life. He knows exactly what strings to pull. He knows exactly what buttons morning. to push. Huh? I talked that this morning. <laughs> we talked about that Wednesday, remember? Yep. Wednesday night we talked yep. about it. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, and then that happens to all of us. You know, he doesn't he can't he can't uh, he can't twist me as much as he did before in certain aspects, so he tries something else. He tries it a different way to twist me. So what is it that, you know, uh-oh. Careful, guys. We had to preach this walk in. We had to preach this walk in. Now, now we're, now, uh-oh. Huh. I ain't scared of him. <laughs> yeah, you said that when he left. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, anyway, yeah. I, again, I'm going to ask you again to to get us back into focus again. Here. <laughs> you know, what a uh, what made it difficult for you to pray or worship? Sin. Huh? Yeah, sin. Sin. Yeah. Okay. Sin gets in the way. Pam. Anger and fear. Anger and fear. Okay. Just He's going to talk about that in just a second. Huh? Just the care of the world. Okay. I mean, stuff that you can't not readily hand over to God. Mm -hmm. You're still dealing with it. Mm -hmm. It's still here. You're still thinking about things outside of here. Yeah. That's why I say you have to really focus. When a traumatic event happens in your life, and or, or something, in, for you it's traumatic. Maybe maybe it's a didn't go well at work. Okay. Maybe it didn't. Maybe you just had a fight with Mama this morning because nobody was ready on time, and everybody's going to be late. And now you've had an argument. Now you've had a fight. Now you come up here and you're like this, <laughs> and you're mad at the world because because it just hadn't gone well today. You know, you got a you got a time schedule that you really want to keep, and you're and you're two minutes before nine, and you want to be here ten minutes before, and your whole world's messed up. You know. <laughs> 
y'all are laughing, but y'all, I know this is this is exactly what man, you know, I, y'all got young fan. I know what happens, man. We had one of those. I know what happens, man. And you're fighting all the way over here. You're not fighting, but you're bickering back and forth with each other. It's your fault. No, it's your fault. It, um, you know, and then you get over here and you're supposed to worship. Oh, how I love Jesus. Are you kidding me? How'd that work for you? Kind of puts a damper on worship, doesn't it? Kind of puts a damper on your prayer life, doesn't it? It shouldn't be that way because our focus should be, look at what God did for me and look at what I get to do this morning. I get to honor him and glorify him with my presence here and with, with him accepting me here to be a part of this group. So now I want to look at what he says next. Okay, verse 8. Therefore, I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. All right, I'm going to stop right there. What do you think? Tell me what you think. <laughs> this this idea of holy hands is a, is an Old Testament type idea. I don't think I don't think it's not a, a biblical New Testament thing that we should do, we can do. I I think absolutely. I think we'll talk about that in just a minute. What I'm asking you is what did it what would it have meant? And I'm going to take you to some text in the Old Testament, all right, about this. What would it what did it mean? To offer up your prayers like this and say, you know, that I am coming to you uh, clean and committed. I am coming to you clean and committed. Here, I offer this to you. Here. Now, I want to take you to two texts. First one is 1 Kings chapter 8. 1 Kings chapter 8. Okay, this is uh, uh, this is where Solomon has built the temple. Solomon has furnished the temple. Solomon has has brought the ark of God into the temple and put it where it belongs. Okay, you understand what that means? The ark of God is where God dwelt. It is where He passed sentence and where He dealt dealt out mercy. The angels on top of the ark, it's a box, about four foot long, about two foot, three foot, something like that. It's a box made out of a certain kind of wood inlaid with gold. And it was a and there's there's treasure hunters today still looking for this thing, man. You know, and it and it had certain things in it. What did it what was one of the things it had in it? It had the books, it had the cabinets of the law. What else? Aaron's rod that budded. What else? It had some of the manna in there. It had in there. And and but what happened is, is it was put in the most holy place, okay? And the curtain was drawn, and when the high priest went in, that's where God dealt out mercy on that mercy seat, okay? Significant, it signifies like the throne of God. When they carried it, when they moved it, they had special people that had to move it, all right? There were, there were uh, parts of the Levite tribe, the Kortites, that had to move it, and they only moved in a certain way. It had rings in the side and it had poles, and they put poles in it, and they lifted it up and carried it, never touched it. One guy figured out, oh, well, maybe, we'll, maybe I'll stop it from falling over, and I'll touch it, and what happened to him? He died. Problem was, David didn't move it right. David should have known he didn't. But I want to, I want to read just one verse here, and this is Solomon offering a dedication for the temple and for its furnishings. And he says in verse 22, 
Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the whole assembly of Israel, spread out his hands toward heaven and said, and he prays. I'm not going to read the prayer. I wanted you to see what he did. He spreads out his hands like this, and he says, God, and, and he starts praying. Praise his prayer. Now look at another one. Psalm 141. Verse 1. Verse 1 and 2. I'm going to read two verses. I call to you, Lord. This is David. It's a psalm of David. David is writing this to God. I call to you, Lord. Come quickly to me. Hear me when I call you. May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. Would that been would that have been pleasing? Would the evening sacrifice have been pleasing to God? Yes. That would have been a pleasing thing to God. And he said, Let my lifting up of hands be pleasing to you like that. So we know that Solomon did it. We know that David did it. And then, and then we have this over here. And he said, he says in verse in verse eight, he said, "Therefore, I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or dispute." What is he telling them? What is he telling this 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 church in Ephesus? What's he telling them? What's he telling them to do? First off, I want you to come to me when when this holy hands it represents a clean and committed life. I want you to bring a clean and committed life. No anger, disputes, get rid of that stuff. You know, eliminate that stuff because your prayers are not going to go up to me anyway. He says, so when you come to me and you lift holy hands, you come to me with the right kind of heart and the right kind of mind. All right? Now, what do we do today when we see someone do this? What do you do when you see someone do this? Hmm? Wish I was brave enough to do it too. Wish you were brave enough to do it. Why would you have to say, "Wish I was brave enough to do it"? Why? Because we've been told it's not the thing. Because to we've do. been told this is unacceptable. We've been told this is not the right thing to do. We've been told this is too whatever. This is too you know ungodly. Really? Really? You know? And what else have have, have maybe you you've experienced? You've saw someone do it and said, "Man, I'll sit on my hands." I'm not doing that because we automatically sit in judgment of someone who does that, don't we? We come back from that old school mindset and we eliminate what this says to these people. Now, I'm not saying you have to do that. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is when you see it done, when someone, when someone comes to church and they, and they, and they have that, that, that humility and that, that focus and they do that, maybe they don't even realize what they're doing. And we not, and we have, we have, I have, sat in judgment of them. I have done that. Shame on me. Huh? To be honest, they don't care. I know they don't. I know they don't. I know they don't. My, my thing was, why did I do that? Why did I do that? Why would I sit in judgment of someone doing that? You know why? You think it's you think it's something that you that you would feel comfortable doing. Is it? No, it's hammered in you. Grace in the church and your little bitty Yes, absolutely. So, good. That's a good point, Linda. We are putting God in a box because we have been we have been squashed down in our in our in the mindset of the understanding of Scripture. From you know, we we almost looked at it and taught doctrine instead of Scripture. 
That's what we did. We sought doctrine instead of scripture. Now, this may make you uncomfortable, and that's fine. I hope it does. I hope it does make you uncomfortable. Because I can remember a time when Debbie Stevens came to me, and and, and, uh, and Debbie said, Dan, when are you going to ever teach on the Holy Spirit? I said, can't do it. She said, how come? I said, I can't do it here. I said, run me out on a rail. I tried to do that here. No. Because <laughs> I knew I'd already went and asked. No, you can't do that here. That's too charismatic for us. You're not going to do that. Because Roy and I had a real problem with that. We, we didn't we didn't agree with that at all, but we knew that we were handcuffed. You know, we had our hands cuffed behind. We couldn't do that. Thank God it's not like that anymore. So at some point, that this won't be an issue maybe down the road either, down the road. But at this point, I wanted you, I wanted you to say, okay, this is what it says. What did he tell this, this young preacher at Ephesus? And you can say, well, this was just for Ephesus. Really? Really? Is that what you think? It was just for Ephesus? I don't, I don't buy that. doesn't mean I'm going to expect everybody to go in there and jump up and raise your hands up. I'm not expecting that. I'm just telling you, this is what the text says. Do with it what you want. Do with what you think. And if it's a problem for you, then fine. Then don't do this. No, but if it's not a problem, don't have to be afraid anymore because I, I want you to know I'm not going to sit in judgment with you. Yes, ma'am. And just the posture of what that does puts you in total submission mm -hmm. to God. Because you are opening yourself up. And like Larry said, you, you don't care what somebody else thinks. That's right. You're asking what what has God motivated me to at this point in my life? And we think we think that it's uh, that I have to be, you know, quiet and reserved. You know, worship and re reverence is not rigor mortis, guys. Okay? You don't have to sit there like a dead person. Right? Yes, ma'am. And that used to be back to tradition. When people were baptized, everybody sat there real quiet still. Well, then when everybody started clapping, people were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, yeah. Like, so do they sit on their hands? So, I, you know, I'm just to the point what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted you to see what the text said, okay? Here it is. It's not, not, it's not a command. It's not, this is not a, this is not life and death stuff, spiritual life and death. But if you feel, if you com feel compelled, we should not feel uncomfortable doing it. You know, that, that, should be a, that should be something between us and God. Don't you think? And they shouldn't have to be worried about what am I going to say. I'm not going to compel you to do anything. It's up to you. All right? But I tell you, after I, after, I, after I read this and I studied this at length, I tried to find anybody out there that said you know, what I was thinking. Couldn't find it. So I had to change the way I thought. You know, and there's going to be times that maybe in private I'm going to do this. I've already done it in private. You know, and I and and one day I may have the courage. I don't know. And if if I'm compelled to do that, I will. Yes, ma'am. That means I don't have to just do that in my lap, which I have found myself doing mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. worship. Like this. I'm sitting there with my mm -hmm. hands like yeah. this because I'm afraid to do this. Yeah. And there. But also, I have a funny story about that. I was sitting at a red light one day listening to Christian music, just singing along, and I had my hands up, and I looked around, and the person sitting next to me was like... <laughs> Get away from her! You know, I had to laugh. I, I, think, I think most people think, think Christians today or odd anyway. <laughs> Don't I mean they do. Well they should. We're supposed to well, but, but odd from a odd from a negative perspective. They, people people look at Christians, you know, that we that we uh, that we serve dead people. 
you know, that kind of thing. I mean, you know, I don't really care what they think, but I want to make sure that you guys knew what this text says. Now, look, oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, the, the anger and disputing part, not only what that what he puts that in there for is because that is going to taint the cleanliness and the and the commitment of life. Because if you're angry and you're in dispute with someone, you know, I remember somebody coming to me and said, I have a real problem with such and such and so and so. And I said, okay. So in the middle of worship, it wasn't, this wasn't on a Monday, it was in the middle of worship. So I walked up. And I got the individual, and I said, come here, we need to talk. And we went out and, uh, and fixed it. It was fixed within, within five minutes. And it was, uh, you know, and it was uh, the, the way to handle it. And because, because it was going to disrupt this person's worship and ability to worship because they were so uncomfortable with what, they, what their perception was. And so we had to fix it right then. What I'm going to do to fix it later, it had to be fixed now. Nobody knew anything. Nobody knew anything about it. Nobody will ever know anything about it. And but it's, it's you can't worship if you're if you're focused on if you're mad at mama guys. Guess what's going to happen to your worship? Not going to work if you're mad at mama. If you're mad at your at your husband, and you really get, you know let it go, let it go. Put park it at the door, man. Pick it up on the way out if you need to. But leave it at the door because it's going to affect. What you, how you honor and glorify God who saved you from your sin and sent and, and paid the ransom so that you could have a relationship with him. There ain't anything more important than that. And our response should be the most important thing in our life. Okay? All right. We're done, guys. Thank you. We're going to pick it up here. We're going to talk to you ladies next week. All right? <laughs>